You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. What's up, friends? Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 408. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday break. And we will be back on January 10th, Steph and I, with our very standard and typical New Year's episode <laughs> with all the all the wonderful discussion around... Um, you know, are we making goals and how do we feel about them? So that's coming up. But for now, I have another renewed episode. This is part two with Dana Monsies about managing adrenal dysfunction and stress. It is very timely. It is very helpful. And in this episode in particular, I love it because we answer a lot of your questions. And one of the questions we get a lot when it comes to adrenal dysfunction is how do I get back to my life? How do I get back to exercise? What do I do? How, how do I make sure that I don't this doesn't happen again? And so I love all the real world applications that Dana gives in this episode. It's very insightful, very helpful. And I'd love to do actually some follow up episodes on adrenal dysfunction and what we know about it today and how even the landscape has changed over the last few years when we when we talk about adrenal health and thyroid health and hormone health for women, which sort of this whole podcast. But but I do think it's worthwhile to do another episode specifically about adrenal dysfunction because if it hasn't hit you yet, it's going to hit you at some point in your life probably. So a quick note about this episode. I was about to move. I was moving houses. So I was doing this in sort of an echoey room and Dana was actually, I think she was either at Disney or had just come back. And so the audio is a little bit different on this one than our than my typical uh, setting. So that's what's going on in the episode. And I was also, I believe I was pregnant. So there's, there's that too. It's hard for me to go. I, I did go back and listen to this. Another honesty moment for you. It's sometimes hard for me to go back and listen to these episodes because over the years, especially episodes that are ye like years old, you know, three to four years older, because interviewing is something I'm really good. Interviewing is something I'm really passionate about. I I, I want to get the best information for you guys, and I, I want it to be helpful and applicable and actionable. And so sometimes when I go back and listen to some of my old episodes, I'm like, wow, what were we talking about? But I, it just makes me appreciate all of you so much because so many of you have been listening to, the, to this podcast for so many years and you've stuck it out with us. And I just really appreciate you guys. And I always take your your thoughts into consideration. And I really, uh, I feel like we're kind of in this together. So going back and listening to some of these really just makes me appreciate you all the more. And um Thank you. Thank you for for an incredible year, but a very incredible past almost eight years now. So let's get to the interview with Dana. This is still a great episode, and her and I actually know each other personally, and so it was great for us to both bring insight into some of your questions that you're asking. I hope this is helpful, and let's get to it. So speaking of stress, we have a lot of questions that we're going to jump into. And again, part one, we covered earlier, this is going to be part two. So part one was with episode 201. And now we're going to get into a little bit deeper 
questions about what we're calling adrenal fatigue or HPH, HPA axis dysregulation in which your adrenals are just having some issues. So I got lots of questions. You ready to jump in? I am so ready. Okay. Andrea Kelly says, what supplements do you recommend to help with the healing of adrenal fatigue? And then how many carbs a day should someone with adrenal fatigue aim to eat? Okay. Um, I'm going to give you an answer, but I'm also not going to give you an answer. So you're <laughs> probably going to hate me for this question. Um, you'll probably notice that any good nutritionist or NTP or whoever you are, like if you ask them a question that's very specific, they're going to give you an answer of it depends, which is a mark of a good clinician, what I would say, because I don't know anything about your background, right? So I can, yes, I can give general recommendations and like that's what podcasts are really great for. But in order to do targeted supplementation or targeted macronutrient ratios or anything like that, like you need a full intake form. And when I work with people, that's an hour and a half of me talking to them with them filling out a f intake form beforehand. That takes like 45 minutes. Um, that being said, very long disclaimer. One thing to say about both diet and supplements and everything with adrenal fatigue is like you can change your diet and your supplements all you want. But if you're not addressing the root cause or the stress of what caused you to have hormonal imbalances or adrenal fatigue, cortisol resistance, hypothyroidism, whatever you're dealing with, you're never truly going to get better because it's like putting a bandaid on the problem. Because once you stop doing the diet or you stop doing the supplements, the situation that caused you to get adrenal fatigue or hormonal dysregulation in the first place is still exactly the same. So let's say you are working on the stress and you're working on all of the things. Um, there are a couple of different adrenal supportive or hormonal supportive supplements that you might want to consider. So two of the vitamins slash minerals that are most depleted, the more stressed that you become because they're being utilized for these hormonal processes are vitamin C and magnesium. So those are the first two places that I would start depending on what your symptoms are like. If you are farther along the adrenal fatigue curve and you're at, you know, you're past the high cortisol, you're past the tired and wired stage, and you're pretty much just chronic fatigue all the time, like you can't get out of bed, you have trouble falling asleep, all, all of the things, right? Low blood pressure, all of the symptoms we talked about in episode 201. Um, then I would also look into B vitamins to help with energy production. Two other things that I would recommend that you work with a clinician if you're going to consider taking either of these. So there are specific adrenal supplements. There's adrenal supplements that are bovine or glandular or non-glandular ones, which means there are actual uh, adrenal glands in these supplements from animals, right? So that's a very, like, if you're going to work with those, definitely work with a naturopath because that's going to depend on where your cortisol levels, your DHEA levels are, all of that stuff. Would not recommend, even though you can order them on Amazon and other places, don't order adrenal bovine or glandular supplements. Like don't take extra adrenal glands if you don't know where your adrenal glands are or how you're working with them, right? Another one that you can do, and this is much easier to do in terms of getting the dosage right and seeing how you're feeling with them are adaptogens. Um, and you've probably heard of these before. I don't recommend that everyone takes adaptogens because that would one be irresponsible of me. And second, 
it depends on where your symptoms are, right? But if I'm like, yeah, everyone take ashwagandha and your adrenal fatigue will be healed. Well, some people, ashwagandha is a nightshade, first of all. So if you have any autoimmune issues, like ashwagandha is not going to work well for you. But adaptogens in general are a class of herbs that are natural compounds that are known as immunomodulators. So they help modulate your immune system. And they've been used for thousands of years in like traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine. Basically, what adaptogens do is they have a normalizing effect when you take these herbs and they bring your body back into homeostasis or balance and they help support your adrenal axis. They help manage your body's physical and mental emotional response to stress. So what they do is they basically meet your body where it is and help bring it back into balance. So if we're thinking about um, an autoimmune flare or you're thinking about really high cortisol conditions, you're chronically stressed all the time, basically your body's on overdrive. If you take adaptogens, they can help bring you back down. If you have really low cortisol output or your cortisol receptors aren't work working well or basically you're chronically fatigued all the time, they can also help bring you back up. So a couple of the different adaptogens you may have heard of before are like ashwagandha and reishi and rhodiola, holy basil, maca, and ginseng is another one. So depending on what your symptoms are, these different adaptogens will work well for different people. Um, so those are basically the beginnings of the supplements that I would recommend you look into. Again, if you're going to do the adrenal specific stuff, definitely work with a naturopath. Um, and then the adaptogens are easier to work with because um, they have them in like teas and some supplement form. Like reishi is super helpful for most people with adrenal fatigue, I would say. So that's the one that I would start with. It's like the chill out medicinal mushroom adaptogen. <laughs> I know there are a bunch of different companies that work with that. Um, so that one I really like. Reishi is actually really interesting because I find that so I took, I think it was like a six month break from drinking any kind of caffeinated coffee this year. Um, and it really helped with my like stress and anxiety levels. Um, and just in the past week, since I've been traveling, I started drinking coffee again and it's actually been fine, which is great. But I think it's because I've been putting reishi blended in with my coffee. Um, so it kind of modulates the jittery effect. So I've really been liking that one. And I, that's, pretty safely a blanket recommendation for anyone is who is pretty high cortisol. Um, you obviously don't want to be taking like gallons or tons of reishi, but if you're doing like a small spoonful, you'll be fine. Yeah. Super interesting about you, like putting it in your coffee and it kind of not giving you that jittery feeling. That's yeah. That's really I think, interesting. I think it's the same way that green tea and matcha work that they have L-theanine in them, which kind of helps moderate the effect of the caffeine. Um, because when you drink coffee, it's very commonly known for people who have anxiety or if you're very high stress that like coffee can kind of make you feel like you're out of control and you don't have an ability to manage your stress anymore. You know, it can kind of push you over the edge. Like we all, we all know what it feels like when you've drank a little bit too much coffee and you're just like, oh my God, my whole body's on high alert, um, which is how I used to feel with drinking one cup of coffee. So that was not great, which is why I took a break. But then once I discovered putting Rishi in there, I was like, oh, this feels a lot better. Like now I can drink coffee again, which is great because coffee is delicious. Um, anything you want to add to those? No, 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 I think that that's great. And I, um, I just was making notes to make sure that I link to the, um, like, I, I love this vitamin C powder from pure synergy mm -hmm. and I actually add it as like a, a nighttime drink. And that's what I take my supplements with because 
Like right now, of course, I'm taking a prenatal and like, you know, a bunch of other stuff and um, vitamin D. And I, when I put the, like, if I try to take supplements with water, it's just like, but um, I've noticed a huge, like, like I don't get as sick as I used to, but I'm also able to rebound better when I like really do take consistently take vitamin C. And it's just like a, it's an antioxidant. Like, why not? And it's not like an emergency where it's like kind of synthetic and you got some other crap in it. And it's just like this huge influx of vitamin C, which not saying like high doses of vitamin C don't have their place, but it's a manageable level of vitamin C if you just take like a teaspoon or whatever and put it in water. And it's just kind of like this raspberry tangy flavor. And it's just a good boost for, in my opinion, of antioxidants that I actually mix it with um, <laughs> natural calm. And I've also been taking an additional form of magnesium. So I actually take magnesium chelate and do natural calm because my magnesium levels were not changing with just one form. Um, so I think that it's really, it's super important if you're going through stress to just be like boosting yourself with those, like you mentioned, um, and also just in pregnancy in general, <laughs> like, just be making sure you're taking vitamin C and magnesium. And I would also add vitamin D with a K2. I just feel like everybody is deficient in vitamin D for the most part, especially as we head into the season. And if you're stressed out, it's really important to make sure that you have sufficient vitamin D levels. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll link to those in the show notes um, so that we can that's yeah, what I was that way. I was trying to write down all the stuff. B vitamins, like energy production, I think that's awesome too. One of the things that I try to do is take um, just like a desiccated liver. So it's not a glandular, but it's just like a desiccated liver supplement because I do really not take liver very well. Um, I just can't bring myself to do it. So I can't either. <laughs> I, that's how I try to like boost my B vitamins a little bit. And I do think that that helps a lot. And then with reishi, I highly, that's, you know, that's why Four Sigmatic is like, we're kind of a, a sponsor and a supporter of them. And they are obviously sponsoring and supporting us. But that's why I chose to partner up with them because I do think that they have got it figured out in terms of like how to recommend introducing adaptogenic or, you know, these medicinal mushrooms in a way that works for you. And they have those little elixirs where it literally looks like a tea packet. And you just pull, um, open it up and mix it with, like, you can do milk or water, um, like coconut milk. And maybe add a little bit of honey or a little bit of maple syrup or whatever. But if you drink that at night, like, I think that that is huge. And like you said, it's so, it's it's a safe thing for, like, the majority of people. Like, it is just one of those things that even is... If you ask your doctor, of course, ask your doctor, but it's safe for breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff. And it's just a way to kind of like downregulate, chill down. Um, and it's something to definitely tinker with if you just kind of feel like you're on that buzzed. Yeah. <laughs> so Four Sigmatic is actually the brand that I was experimenting with in the spring when I first figured out to do reishi in my coffee. So they had like a reishi superfood blend that kind of looks like dirt when you open up the packet of it. <laughs> yeah. But I swear it doesn't taste like dirt. But they also have a reishi hot chocolate that you can oh, have yes. at night. Yes. Yeah, which that's is what amazing. I'm talking about. Yeah, that elixir. Yep. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. And that's what you can mix with like a little bit of milk or whatever. But I'm so you but you add like the actual dirt looking thing to your coffee. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you you drink <laughs> coffee dirt. Yeah, um, basically. <laughs> of course. Uh, so foursigmatic.com slash wellfedwomen for the um, 15% off. I had to look that up, make sure I read that right. Let's talk about carbs, please. How many carbs a day should you be eating to heal from adrenal fatigue? Um, well, <laughs> it depends. <laughs> no, um, it does depend. But yeah. um, it obviously depends on your activity level and, you know, your goals and everything like that. But I think it's safe to set a minimum, definitely. Um, like in Noelle and Stephanie's book, you know, like – 
a minimum of 100 grams of carbs a day is a really good starting point. But I would even say for adrenal fatigue specifically, um, you want to go more than that. And I would say in divided doses throughout the day, because adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysregulation at its core is becoming a blood sugar dysregulation issue. So if you're eating, for example, all of your carbs in just one whack at one point during the day, you're going to kind of exacerbate that blood sugar dysregulation problem because every time your body releases cortisol in response to stress, it's also promoting a blood sugar response. So every think about it this way, like every time you're stressed out or every time you have a spike in cortisol, your blood sugar also spikes in response, which is not great <laughs> in terms of energy levels and energy dips and all of that kind of stuff. What we want to aim for more when we're trying to heal from all of these basically roller coaster of blood sugar dysregulation is more of an even keel flow throughout the day. So if you're going to do, let's say 125, 150 grams of carbs, you know, depending on the person's size and activity level and muscle and all that kind of stuff, I would divide it in doses throughout the day. So it's not a huge blood sugar spike every time you have it. And I would also, I would focus more on the quality and the glycemic load of those carbohydrates. So I would do, instead of doing high glycemic, uh, high refined carbohydrates. So like, don't, don't eat pop tarts, you know, let, that's not going to end well. Um, I would focus more on like plantains and sweet potatoes and, you know, rice can be fine every once in a while too, depending on the person. Like I find a lot of my adrenal fatigue clients do really well with white rice actually. In terms of just food in general or diet for adrenal fatigue recovery, we want to make sure we're keeping out foods that are inflammatory to us, which depends on the person. But I mean, it's pretty safe to say that you want to keep out refined sugar and vegetable oils. And then depending on you, how you personally do with grains and dairy, you may or may not want to take those out. Um, but anything that is causing a high blood sugar spike or a high inflammatory response, we want to remove those as much as we can for the period of healing so that we can remove any obstacles to healing through diet. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I love adaptogens. I love them. I take them every day. I used to be that way with coffee. Let's be honest. I would need it every morning. But now I love the feeling that I get from adaptogens. And it's a much more healthful <laughs> daily habit. That's what we all want, more, right? More, more healthful daily habits. That actually supports my body's physiology. Adaptogens are herbs and functional mushrooms that help your body adapt to stress. They essentially boost your resistance and tolerance when it comes to emotional and physical stress. They are good for stress support, adrenal dysfunction, hormone imbalances, anxiety, fatigue, you name it, adaptogens can help. The more I research adaptogens, the more I realize the easiest and best way to enjoy adaptogens is with superfood blends that can be added to water. Now I drink Organifi Red Juice three to four times a week, mostly mid-morning, and it's incredible for energy support and focus. It's a red berry antioxidant blend that has cordyceps, rhodiola, and reishi. They also have a green juice, which has ashwagandha in it. It's great for stress and recovery, especially if you're working out on a regular basis. And my favorite is Organifi Gold. It's my favorite nightcap. It's a sweet little warm drink 
You can take at night. It's got reishi. If you've got anxiety or your mind is spinning at night, drink that as your nightcap. It is so good and it's calming. All of Organifi's superfood adaptogen blends are 100% certified organic and contain high quality ingredients. And they're also free of fillers and they taste really good and have clinical doses of adaptogens. You can support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. Go to Organifi.com forward slash WellFed and use the code WellFed for 20% off. That's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash WellFed and use the code WellFed for 20% off your entire order. Okay, so kind of as a follow-up to that from Amantheo, something like that. This is an Instagram handle. Great name. Yeah. (laughs) Healing adrenals. How do you heal adrenals while still doing CrossFit as your main form of training? Excited to hear you on the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, but you might hate (laughs) me after I answer this question (laughs) because you can't. Um, You cannot heal from adrenal fatigue while doing CrossFit as your main form of exercise. And I get it. Like I love CrossFit. I'm a CrossFit coach. I've been doing CrossFit since 2011. So that's a really long time now. But I think I talked about this on the previous episode, but when I figured out that adrenal fatigue was one of my main issues, I had to take like, I think it was six, six or eight months completely off of CrossFit. Because every time you do any kind of high intensity interval training, you are artificially spiking your cortisol again. And like we were talking about in the last question, we're aiming for that homeostasis, right? Like that's why we're doing, we're taking out the inflammatory foods to avoid those blood sugar spikes and inflammation spikes. We're taking out, you know, all of these other inflammatory things right now doing CrossFit or any kind of high intensity interval training or spinning or anything like that, that is inhibiting your healing right now. That's not to say that you won't be able to get back to it. You can't do CrossFit as your main form of exercise if you truly want to heal. That's not to say you can't exercise at all. And that's, like I said before, it's not to say that you won't be able to eventually get back to it. Like, I mean, I'm a couple years down the line here and Olympic lifting and weightlifting is my main form of exercise, but I also do CrossFit two or three times a week and I'm fine as long as I don't have all of these other crazy stressors going on in my life. So I'm sorry for that answer, (laughs) but I think more people need to hear this as well. Like there's so many people in this community who like, (laughs) I hate to say this, but CrossFit in conjunction of a high stress lifestyle, which let's be honest, who doesn't have a high stress lifestyle right now can be one of the things that causes you to get adrenal fatigue, especially if you are training at a very high level. And that can mean training more than four times a week with CrossFit is a very high level of training. And if you're training three times a week of CrossFit and you're training for a marathon on the other days, that's a very high level of training too. So I think we all kind of kid ourselves and we're not, we're like, oh, I'm not a high level athlete because I'm not Rich Froning or Sam Briggs or like, I'm not going to the CrossFit games. I'm not going to regionals. I don't train twice a day. It's like, okay, but those people, that's all they do in their lives. And that is their level of stress. They don't have, I mean, some of them have kids, but most of them don't have other jobs. Most of them are completely controlling their food. So it's actually being done by other people. So they don't have to worry about that. They probably sleep 10 hours a day. They do recovery practices for like four hours a day. And then they train for like six hours a day, you know, like that's their whole life. So that's how they're able to manage it. 
CrossFit's kind of become analogous to playing in the NFL. Like it's a not a long term uh, sport that you can maintain for, you know, aside from a few freak athletes who have insane genes, like there are no CrossFit athletes who are going to be competing in the CrossFit games for the next 10 years because the human body is not designed to maintain that level of stress and physical exertion for that long. I mean, there's a reason that people, when they're in the NFL, aside from quarterbacks and stuff, but the people have the, who have the highest impact positions like running backs and stuff, they usually play for, you know, three to five years and then they're done because their body can't take it anymore. But that all just goes to say that high intensity interval training, like CrossFit, like spinning, like core power yoga, like all of these things that, I mean, I personally love, like I totally get it they can be a cause of you going deeper into adrenal fatigue and making these hormonal issues worse, um, especially if if it's combined with under eating, which is super common for female athletes. I could talk about this literally forever, but I think I should probably stop there because I know we have more questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I, I completely agree. And it's you're just kind of reiterating, of course, what like we've hinted at, and I don't want it to be like, oh, CrossFit sucks. It's really just any sort of high intensity training in which you are putting a lot of your physical energy and effort into and taxing your, your basically your stress management system, your adrenals, your, um, your, you're increasing your demand for uh, cortisol. You are doing sort of an, any sort of like anaerobic training, like that's not the thing to do when you're trying to recover and heal from adrenal fatigue. Not to say that it's inherently bad, but it's just not right for you at this time. Um, and I think all of us need to be more sensitive to that overall, understanding that when we get into a really stressful situation, whether that be a death in the family or, you know, we're going through a really stressful pregnancy or postpartum experience or we're injured or we're just really struggling with work and like overwhelmed and like, you know, you're kind of, you, I feel like a lot of us know when we're just, we feel that stress, like our sleep starts to get a little in eh, and we have to know when to expose, when's the appropriate time to expose our body to that sort of stress. Do you know, like that you get from, for example, CrossFit. Um, high intensity CrossFit training. Like we have to be able to use discernment and know like I sh shouldn't be in the gym right now or, oh, this is a great day for me to go and work out. And like, I feel like I can really go and do this. And so I want it, like, that's one of the things that I've really been on a <laughs> kick with is like, we have to be really intentional with our fitness because the, the attitude right now is of course, more is better. And there's a better way to do it. And it's, you know, the, the intensity is like, how, well, that's how I relieve stress, you know? And so, and I get that attitude, but that's all, if you're adding more stress, if you're compounding your stress, um, if you're going through a stressful time and then you go do high intensity training, it's not actually relieving any stress from you. Like it may mentally be something that you, your outlet, but it's actually, you know, making you more stressed out. Okay. So for example, right now, what you're going through, Noel, this would be literally the worst time for you to take up right. a CrossFit regimen, right? right? Because right. even though like, sure, it would probably relieve some stress in the short term, but there's something to be said for that also is like, there's a class of people for whom 
they feel like the only way that they can now feel good is by either drinking coffee or doing CrossFit or some other kind of high intensity interval training. And the biological or like physiological reason for that is because your cortisol is now so low or your cortisol receptor activity is so low that the only way that they feel normal again is by getting that cortisol spike from high intensity interval training or from CrossFit or from drinking coffee or for whatever it is. But that's actually an indication that you really shouldn't be doing those things and that you really need to give your body a chance to truly rest and heal. And I'm not just talking about a week off of CrossFit. Like you may need multiple months off. And I know that's really hard to hear. And especially if your identity is wrapped up in being an athlete and being you know, or engaged in movement or being at the gym. And like, that's your social setting. Like I totally get that. And I have been there, but if you're thinking about your long-term health, getting in a CrossFit workout today is not going to be the answer to like healing your adrenal fatigue down the line. You know, like I think the same way that we try and be more mindful and intuitive with our food choices, we need to practice more intuitive fitness as well. You know, the same way we listen to our bodies when we're trying to figure out what we, what our body really needs, what it's craving in terms of food and everything like that. You need to be able to listen to your body as well with what kind of movement it really needs right now. And if you don't have a lot of stress going on in your life right now, you know, you're like a single 30 year old and you like don't have your own business and you're not, and life is great and everything like CrossFit might be great for you. But if you ha- are traveling a lot, if you have adrenal fatigue, if you have a kid on the way, if you have a little kid, you know, all of these things, it might not be the best time for you. And that's okay. Because Life has all of these different phases and it just means that it's not great for you right now, but that doesn't mean that it won't be great for you in the future. Yes, there isn't like an inherently, it's not like all fitness is inherently good. And I feel like that's sort of the attitude right now, or that's the attitude that exists in society. Just like cutting calories is always inherently good. Like, oh, we could always, always, we could all always eat less and exercise more. And I'm like, not really. Like, not, Actually, no, that's like, if you give that advice to a lot of women, that's not going to lead to more health, period. A follow-up question, which I feel like is a really good um, segue, is realistically, how long does it actually take to heal with proper nutrition and rest? I know everyone is different and people suffer to different degrees. I've been working on this for months and I'm now just starting to feel a little bit better. Thanks. And that was from Shannon M. Foreman. Um, Okay, so the amount of time that it takes people to heal from adrenal fatigue... Uh, yes, it depends. And I know you know that because you wrote that into the question, but it not only depends on where you are in your symptoms and what the root cause of all of this was, but, uh, for lack of a better word, like how aggressive you're being with your healing, you know, um, like if you're just doing the diet and supplements, like we talked about before, then it could take you, you know, much longer than it would if you're cutting out intense exercise, making sure you're eating enough, getting lots of nutrient density, cutting stress out of your life, you know, all of these things. For me, from the time that I got diagnosed with adrenal fatigue, meaning I got my cortisol saliva test and it was overall very low in everything, to the time when I guess you would say I was like recovered was two years, I want to say, 
But I disclaimer here, that's because I was one of those people who didn't want to do all of the things, right? So I, you know, I was working with a naturopath and early 2013, I, God, I'm such an idiot when I'm looking back at this, like, oh my God. So you guys are going to laugh so hard, but then you're going to know I'm only coming from a good place. So I got a cortisol test done, um, early 2013 and I was definitely like borderline low. And so my doctor was like, you know, you should probably not do CrossFit and not do all these things. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to do as much CrossFit. I'm just going to train for half marathon. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Who like, oh my God, horrible, horrible. This is, this is where I came from. Um, this is why I care about this so much. So I didn't do really any of the things with diet. I was doing all the supplements and I was like, oh my God, why is this taking so long? Uh, cause I was still overexerting myself in the gym. I was in a super stressful job that I hated and it ended up making me so sick that I had to quit. Um, I wasn't doing anything except the supplements. And then I wasn't doing anything except the supplements and the diet. And then eventually I was like, I'm so dead that I need to take time completely off. And it took me a while to come to that realization. I started taking time off from CrossFit and then I was just doing weightlifting. And I was like, okay, this is pretty good. This is a pretty good middle step, you know, and that does work for some people as long as the lifting that you're doing is not intense, right? Because we all have a tendency to, you know, if you enjoy doing CrossFit, you enjoy intensity in no matter what you're doing. So from the time that I completely stopped doing any kind of weightlifting or CrossFit and really focused on healing, uh, it took me almost a year um, to, you know, quote unquote, get back to it. But the interesting was like getting back to it completely changed. Like you can never, you can never fully go back to what you were doing before you got adrenal fatigue because that's what got you adrenal fatigue in the first place. So for example, I was over-exercising, under eating in a super stressful job that I hated, like wasn't in a great relationship, you know, all of these things, like all of the stresses, I had ticked all of the boxes. And in addition to that, like I hated my body. And that was a huge stress that I don't think is talked about enough in adrenal fatigue, because a lot of what people are going through and a lot of what prevents their healing is that we all have this huge stress in the back of our mind that like is, it's, I have adrenal fatigue, but I want to lose weight. Like I have adrenal fatigue, but I want to continue to do CrossFit. And it's all stemming from this fear of gaining weight, which is, you know, deeply rooted in your self-worth and self-acceptance and how other people perceive you and all of that stuff. And it's all super messy, right? But you have to finally realize that you can't ever go back to what you were doing before because that's what got you here in the first place. So my, you know, back on it a year later was I don't train seven times a week anymore. I don't run 30 miles a week and do CrossFit three times a week. Like I lift twice a week and I do CrossFit twice a week and I walk my dog and that's it. And that's like a heavier week, right? <laughs> like when I just went on vacation, I took six days off from the gym oh no, I'm fine. You know, I like, I did a ton of walking at Disney. Like I'm really tired, you know, but I think the whole 
body image thing and like getting back to it, I think that is a huge thing that's inhibiting people's healing because even if they take time off of working out, they get rid of a lot of the external stressors and, you know, they do all of the healing diets and they do the supplements and stuff. If you still have this thing in the back of your head, that's like, when I'm healed, then I'll be able to lose weight or when I'm healed, then I'll be able to get back to this or I'll be able to like get my body back, which we talked about last time. You know, if this is something that is still in the back of your head, that is a major stress. And I think working on the body image and the relationship with food in your body can be a huge piece into your healing. And I think it's almost I think everyone needs to do that if you're dealing with any kind of adrenal fatigue, just because of all of the things that cause people to get adrenal fatigue like that. I think that's a big contributing factor. So I think if you're not working on that, it's going to be a huge impediment to actually getting better. Yeah, I, that was like a huge knowledge bomb right there, which was like, you're not going to, you can never go back to doing what you were doing because that's what got you into this, right? So that has to be within the context. And I feel like a lot of the questions that we got was like, well, every time I try to do this again, then I get kind of knocked down, which is a, again, a sign that you haven't fully healed. But also I do feel like people always try to get back to what they were doing. I just need to get back to that, which whatever it is, maintaining workouts five days a week or whatever, you know, and, and you have to understand it's a new way of existing and living moving forward. It's like healing and then not, oh, going back to doing what I was doing. It's healing and then like creating a new way of existing, a new way of taking care of your body um, because you know what happens when you are under this chronic stress and when you apply fitness and or caloric restriction and or you're struggling with your body and these things that you're doing, it ends up making you very unhealthy. or yeah. so, yeah. Um, yeah. To that, I, there's a, another question I think is really important that I'd love to get to is how do you know when your adrenal fatigue is healed? Like, how do you know when you are at a place that you can say, okay, I, I no longer am struggling chronically with that. And I'm guessing that in your opinion, there's some sort of things, there's ways, there's markers, but also, you know, do you recommend people continually get, um, saliva tests done so that they can actually have those concrete markers because I have another question which you and I read before which was you know do you have adrenal fatigue for life when you have it and she says this is from Sydney Cakes um, which is a regular um, she always comments on her stuff so hi Sydney Um, I overcame adrenal issues about a year and a half ago and I've since recovered sorry by the way my dog is over here and snoring so loud and I've like (laughs) turned off the mic and like tried to tell like I've been like Rana hey and she like does not care anymore so she's like in her cage because my husband's at work anyway Moving on. So that is what you hear right now. Um, And she says, I normally do yoga for exercise with no issues. However, when I go jogging, I always relapse almost instantly. It takes about a week of nourishment and rest to pull my body out of it. This is fate for the rest of my life. So now we're at a place where... Okay, we've recognized we have an issue. We're doing all the things that we feel we need to heal. How do we know when we have healed? And if we keep relapsing or, you know, in quotations, relapsing, um, what do we do about that? You know, how if it's a simple thing, like we do this one simple thing and it's like we're knocked down. Are we actually even healed? So a couple of different indicators to know how you've truly healed or even if you're making progress towards healing. The best way to tell, in my opinion, are the symptoms that you're experiencing. So if you think about 
at the worst of your hormonal dysregulation or adrenal fatigue or whatever it is, what are you experiencing every day on multiple levels? And the problem with adrenal fatigue is it can manifest in so many different ways. It's kind of like celiac, right? It's different for every person, but we call it adrenal fatigue because one of the main symptoms is that chronic fatigue. So if you notice that before when you had, when you were in the worst of your adrenal fatigue, you could not get out of bed in the morning without having two or three cups of coffee. And then you also couldn't fall asleep at night. If that starts to get better, you're on your way to healing, right? So it's other things like that. There are specific uh, like blood markers that you can look for, or if you wanted to do another saliva test, like that would be totally fine. But I honestly don't think that that's necessary because if, unless your doctor really thinks so, but um, if you're looking at the symptoms of what you had before, so say it was super low blood pressure, it was every time you stand up, you get dizzy, it was you're freaking exhausted all the time, like you can't do your normal workouts like you used to without being totally flattened. If you think of the progression of those things when we're getting better, so if your blood pressure starts to normalize, if you can stand up and you're not dizzy anymore, if you can go on a walk or a hike and you're not completely exhausted, those are all signs of progress. And I think we also need to learn to celebrate the small wins like that instead of just celebrating, oh my God, I can go back to CrossFit four times a week and I don't feel completely dead anymore. You know, that can be a long-term goal of yours, but I think we also need to celebrate the, wow, it doesn't feel like I hit, I doesn't feel like I got hit by a truck when I wake up in the morning or I can actually fall asleep and my sleep isn't disrupted anymore. Or I don't feel like I need to drink five cups of coffee in order to get through the day. You know, all of those things are signs of progress. I think one of the biggest signs for me was that I was able to, after taking whatever amount of time off of working, working out, like, and this, we're talking like all kinds of working out. All I could do was take my dog for a walk and that was it. Like, and my dog is nuts. So there's that. But, um, so it's not like a normal relaxing walk as much as I try, but that was the amount of stimulation that my body could handle. So when I was finally able to, I kind of did like a progression of workouts to ease myself back into it. So first I would just do walking and then I would do some restorative yoga at home. And then I started going to some restorative yoga classes. And then I started trying to go to vinyasa yoga once a week, right? So gradually ramping up the intensity, like one notch at a time. And then eventually after I felt fine going to yoga three times a week and walking the dog, then, and this is also like, what did I say? A year later, I was able to go to one CrossFit class a week and that was it. And then a month or two later, I was able to go to two classes a week and that was it. So it's a very slow process. But as I was going through that, Again, being intuitive with your fitness and intuitive with your body, it's checking in and saying, okay, if before when I had adrenal issues and I either went for a jog or I did a CrossFit workout or whatever, and I had to take a nap an hour afterwards because I was so tired, if you no longer have to do that, you're seeing progress, right? I always tell my clients when I'm working with them on this kind of stuff is if you do a workout and you feel completely flattened the next day and it wasn't like a one rep max or something like that, because you can always expect to be flattened after that. Probably not the best idea. 
But if you do a workout and, you know, you feel fine a couple hours later, you feel more energized afterwards. And then the next day you wake up and you're like, huh, like I feel pretty good. You know, that's a really good sign of progress. And that's not a sign that you should go back and do that workout again the next day, like maybe wait a day or two in between and then see how that goes. So instead of doing a super expensive saliva cortisol panel and all of that other kind of stuff, I would monitor it based on your symptoms and journaling. This helps a lot because it's kind of like looking in the mirror. If you look at yourself every day, you don't really see the changes, but if you can journal it and get some like objective data over the course of a couple of weeks, a couple of months, then you'll be able to see how you're healing. And then in terms of relapsing or do you have adrenal fatigue forever? Um, no, you don't have adrenal fatigue forever, but depending on your personality, if you're the kind of person that got adrenal fatigue, you might be predisposed to getting it again forever. If you continue with the same patterns that you did, that you got you adrenal fatigue in the first place. So what I mean by that is like we were saying before, if you, you've healed yourself from adrenal fatigue, like you're back to doing your normal routine and whatever. If you immediately go back to what you were doing before you got adrenal fatigue and then suddenly, you know, you're feeling great running five times a week or CrossFit four times a week or whatever it is. Like if you then suddenly have a death in the family or you go on a trip or you have a super stressful situation, if you didn't have that going on, you might be fine and not get adrenal fatigue. However, if you suddenly have that going on and then you continue to put all of this physical stress on your body with working out and under eating or whatever it is, you might get it again. In order to prevent that from happening, you need to go back to your healing tools, the diet, the supplementation, the self-care work that we talked about last time, the not overstimulating yourself with coffee and alcohol and high intensity interval training, all of that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like, I guess it's not chicken pox, but I guess <laughs> kind of an analogy here. Once you've had it, you're more predisposed to get it again. Although I guess chicken pox would be shingles when you're an adult, but once you've gotten adrenal fatigue, you're definitely more predisposed to getting it because your body has experienced that and it knows what it feels like. Now, to prevent that, if you take this whole healing journey as a learning experience, which I hope that you do, then you know what your triggers are. It's kind of like with food, right? Like if we're talking about food with no breaks, like if if a food for you, like if you can't stop eating Lay's potato chips, no matter how many bags you keep around the house, even if you're not trying to restrict them, it's kind of the same deal. Like if you know what your kryptonite is and it's CrossFit or it's whatever it is, or you're addicted to all of these high stress activities and stuff, which most entrepreneurs are, then you have to know what your limits are in order to prevent you from getting adrenal fatigue again. That was a lot of information. <sighs> Soak it up, folks. Soak it <laughs> up. That was so comprehensive. I know many of you can relate to this. Traveling and holidays can put a stress on your digestive system. Increases in stress overall actually slows down your digestive processes and blood flow to your digestive organs, which can result in things like gas, bloating, and cramping. On top of that, as we age, our body produces fewer digestive enzymes. So if your digestion has been off or you've been struggling with unwanted symptoms for quite some time, digestive enzymes is a great place to start. Enzymes are the workhorses of digestion. 
They break down your food into usable macro and micronutrients. My favorite digestive enzyme and the ones we use personally is Masszymes, which is a formula from Bioptimizers. Even my naturopathic doctor recommended it because it contains proteolytic digestive enzymes, which help to break down protein and increase the absorption of key amino acids. Taking Masszymes daily helps top off your enzyme levels and replace the enzymes your body is no longer producing. Start slow, build up your dosage, and you'll likely see a big difference in how you feel after meals. To grab our big time discount, head to masszymes.com forward slash well fed. Again, that's mass, M-A-S-S, Zymes, Z-Y-M-E-S dot com forward slash well fed and use the code well fed for 10% off and you can get up to 25% off with our link when you purchase a bundle. The last question, the question I want to finish up on, it was a private DM, so I won't mention the name. A question for the podcast. I wrote in in the early days regarding weight loss after a stressful traumatic event and have recently been told that significant long-term stress changes the landscape of your hormones basically indefinitely. True, how does one work with that? Um, I don't think that's true. And the body, it's kind of like we were talking about with adaptogens before. The body is like a well-oiled adaptive machine. It's always going to adapt to what you're giving that, whether it takes a day, it takes a week, it takes a couple of months or a couple of years. So yes, if you have a significant amount of stress, it is going to mess up your hormones. But as soon as you, you know, eventually when you heal that, it doesn't mean your hormones are messed up forever. I mean, like, for example, if we're talking about, about, um, like amenorrhea or anything like that, if you lose your period, it doesn't mean you're never going to get it back. You know, if you lose your period and then you work on your hormones and your stress and all these and foods and all these things, and then you eventually get it back, you might, if you revert to those patterns, be predisposed to losing it again. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to have it forever. Right. And I think another part of the question was, and I don't remember if we, if we were talking about this before we started recording, but um, someone asked if you've lost a significant amount of weight, if that changes your hormonal profile forever. Um, I don't think it changes it forever. Um, I think it might. So weight loss is a stress on the body, so it can definitely impact your stress hormones and your thyroid hormones and all of that. But over the short period of time and the short term, as long as you're doing things that will help balance out your hormones. Now, I think it's a different story with your body's uh, hunger hormones and regulatory hormones like insulin and glucagon, which are working with blood sugar regulation and hunger and fullness and satiety and all of those things. But in terms of adrenal and thyroid hormones, I mean, there are examples of people all over the place, myself included, where, you know, I used to have a totally messed up hormonal system where I had hypothyroid symptoms, I had adrenal issues, I had hypothalamic amenorrhea, like all these things. I have my cycle again, I no longer have adrenal issues, and I no longer have thyroid issues. You know, if I again, if I reverted to all of those things that put me in an extremely stressed out situation, physically, mentally, emotionally, all of these things, I would probably eventually if I kept it up for a long time, have all of those hormonal issues again. But that's because I know what situations and what choices I would have to make in order to put me in that imbalanced hormonal profile. But that doesn't mean that you're going to have 
imbalances in your hormones forever. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I completely 100% agree. I do think that they're like, I, I think that one of the things that happens is when we go through a lot of stress, our body, all bodies don't respond the same way. And this is what we were talking about before, which is like, for some people, they will like, they're going to really struggle with uh, like the like losing their period, you know, their hormonal profile is going to change in a way that means that they're going to struggle with HPA axis dysregulation and their body may stop, you know, menstruating um, as a result of that stress. Or some people may immediately go to um, having thyroid issues or, or their thyroid hormones are kind of go out of whack. And so I think that all bodies respond to stress slightly different. And when we find that information out, it's we just have to work with that long term. I don't think that just because you are now suffering from adrenal issues, you're going to suffer your entire life. Or just because your hormonal profile is this way, you're going to suffer it from it your entire life. And that's definitely different than like chronic diseases. For example, like autoimmune conditions, which we know you know, cannot be resolved. You can put things in remission, but it's not like it goes away forever. Like you can always come back. Like those symptoms are always going to come back, especially when our body is under chronic stress. And so once we learn those things, we just have to, we have to change our life. (laughs) Unfortunately, you know, like we can't be as haphazard. And I do feel like as we get older, you know, you can probably relate to this, Dana. It's like, as you get older, you're not as as resilient. You can't do all the, the crappy things that you did when you were in college and get away with it. And um, and so like you experienced that as you were getting older and and you know going through your twenties, you hit a point where it was like, whoa, like I can't just haphazardly push myself and think that I'm limitless. You know, like I have limits, and this is how my body respond responded to all the, that overload of stress. And so as we move forward with adulthood and maturing and, um, you know, aging, we have to learn how to um, adapt to and manage our body's stress responses. And so, yes, that takes a lifelong change and a lifelong awareness of that, but it's not like once sick, always sick kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's also super interesting now that you mentioned like being resilient and stuff is that we do have to create this new normal. But as I'm reflecting on this, like (laughs) I had all of these issues when I was in like the most, what should be the most resilient period of my life. Right. I, this was between like, I think the worst of it was probably between 22 and 23. And then 24 was when I was finally like, okay, I really need to take care of this. But in your early twenties, that's when your body is super able to, or usually able to bounce back from these things. And it, I mean, it just goes to show that I had so much going on for so long that even so young, my body was like, nope, F you, like we're done, you know, we're shutting down. But I think it, it's, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because if it hadn't happened that early, like it definitely would have caught up with me later, you know? And so I was able to establish that new normal much earlier in my life than I'm sure like a lot of your listeners who might be, you know, later twenties or mid thirties or whatever it is. And now they're dealing with this stuff. So in a sense, I'm like, I mean, you never want to be like thankful for a diagnosis of anything, but it can, it can be relieving because 
once you've gone through that, you then gain all of this knowledge of how to not get back there again. And I think that's one thing I wanted to mention with the last question is when she was asking, like, I keep going into remission whenever I go for a jog. Well, it's like, then if you can do yoga and be fine, then you're definitely moving along the path in your healing journey, but you're not there yet. And I don't necessarily know that there even is a there, right? I think we all need to get rid of the idea that there's an end stage to all of this. Like life is a continual journey. It it never is going to stop. And especially when you've dealt with something like adrenal fatigue, it's kind of like a reflection of your personality, right? We talked about this last time. Like if you're an entrepreneur, if you're type A, if you tend towards being a perfectionist and all this kind of stuff, you're basically predisposed to getting something like adrenal fatigue, right? So it's kind of like you have to create a new normal. And it's kind of like, you know, once you have a kid, like you had pre-kid, your normal, and then you have post-kid. Like, what is your new normal? Those two things are never going to be the same, but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that. It's just a different stage in your life. Yes. Dana, where can we find more from you? Because we want all the Dana in it right now. Like, <laughs> I just tell us where we can find more from you, and then we'll let you go and do, like, all the other things you have to do for the day since we've been here an hour and almost 15 minutes. Oh, my God. Okay, you can find all of the Dana at <laughs> realfoodwithdana.com. I'm also at realfoodwithdana on Instagram and Facebook, and my podcast is called Real Talk with Dana. And that can be found iTunes or all of the places wherever you listen to this podcast. Yay. Um, yeah, follow her on Instagram, folks. And you can, you know, when she goes on more Disney trips, like you can just stalk her and like all her photos. Actually, <laughs> I'm sure. Did, did you save it to a story? Did you create a story? Oh, yeah. Okay. A- Go look at her Disney story. It's so fun. Um, okay, so for more from me, go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. For more from Stephanie, go to paleoforwomen.com. We will link to all of Dana's links in the show notes and the supplements that we talked about. They will be linked as well. If you have a question for us, send it to wellfedwomen at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Instagram. It's at wellfedwomen. We do a lot of uh, questions for the show on there, like posed as photos, and you get to comment with your question. And that's where all the questions came for today's episode. So make sure to follow us on there. We will talk to you next week. Bye.